Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written published article, Who Is at the Helm? 
from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage Show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar and you get a better buzz. <laughs> with the Savage Premium. So go to go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. The brutality of Putin is not just what he's doing in Ukraine, but the impact that, his, that it is having on food for the world. So when you're home thinking, what is this all about? Just think about... When I was hungry, you fed me in the Gospel of Matthew. This is Michael Savage. We are now at war with Russia, using the poor Ukrainian people as you could call a cannon fodder. You could call them a factotum. The sorority girls, the sorority boys that are running this nation into the ground are now attacking Russia and sacrificing the Ukrainian people. This will not end well for anyone in the world. You know, even Pope Francis said we provoked Putin to attack Ukraine. None of this would have happened if, uh, well, I don't know how to say it to you, but the fact of the matter is the uh, Chinese communists, with the help of many in the U.S., did not manipulate the election results and steal the election from President Trump and install a weak, senile, corrupt president who is now owned by foreign powers, never to mention, not to mention his son Hunter, uh, who you well know should have been indicted a long time ago and tried. What about the Afghanistan exit, leaving behind hundreds of billions of dollars in military equipment on the ground for the Taliban to grab? What about a military under this moron, Austin, who spends more time on woke political philosophy, brainwashing the general officers, more interested in LGBTQ diversity, CRT cancel culture, which is certainly not going to make us stronger militarily. This is right out of Mao's Little Red Book in brainwashing our military, just as they've done our police. Instead of spending time on combat effectiveness and intelligence strategic planning for America's real national security interests, and working with Russia instead of against Russia, who is now working with China, by the way. We drove Russia into China's hands, and they're not natural allies. So where do we stand today? I just received a sheet that I don't think you're going to see anywhere else. It's called a fact sheet on U.S. security assistance for Ukrainers. It was released on the 10th of May by the U.S. Department of Defense, and it describes what they've actually given to Ukraine. Listen to this, because... It should make your coffee boil. Now, just last night, by the way, Pelosi held a midnight meeting of the gangsters, and they gave away over $40 billion more. Do you know how much money that is? Do you have any idea how much money that really is? I'll read you some of this. 
The United States has committed more than $4.5 billion in security assistance to Ukraine since the beginning of the Biden administration, including approximately $3.8 billion since the beginning of Russia's unprovoked invasion of February 24th. I'm quoting now. On May 6th, the Department of Defense announced the authorization of a presidential drawdown of security assistance valued at up to an additional $150 million, tailored to meet critical Ukrainian needs for today's fight as Russian forces launch a renewed offensive in eastern Ukraine. The United States security assistance committed to Ukraine includes over 1,400 Stinger anti-aircraft systems, over 5,500 Javelin anti-armor systems, over 14,000 other anti-armor systems, over 700 switchblade tactical unmanned aerial systems, 90 150-millimeter howitzers and over 200,000 155-millimeter artillery rounds, 72 tactical vehicles to tow 155-millimeter howitzers, 16 MI-17 helicopters, hundreds of armored high-mobility multipurpose wheeled vehicles, 200 M113 armored personnel carriers, over 7,000 small arms, over 50 million rounds of ammunition. By the way, there's no ammunition available in America. 50 million rounds of ammunition. 75,000 sets of body armor and helmets. Should I go on? 121 Phoenix Ghost tactical unmanned aerial systems. Laser-guided rocket systems. Puma unmanned aerial systems. Unmanned coastal defense vessels. 17 counter-artillery radars. Four counter-mortar radars. Two air surveillance radars. Claymore anti-personnel munitions, Claymore mines, you know what they do? Remember during the Vietnam War how all of the lying, stinking communist leftists screamed about using Claymore mines in Vietnam? They love them now. C4 explosives and demolition equipment for obstacle clearing. Tactical secure communication systems. Night vision devices. Thermal imagery systems. Optics and laser rangefinders. Commercial satellite imagery services explosive ordnance disposal protective gear, chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear protective equipment, medical supplies to include first aid kits, electronic jamming equipment, field equipment and spare parts. They conclude by saying the following. The United States also continues to work with its allies and partners to identify and provide Ukraine with additional capabilities to defend itself. This is what we know. But in this list... We do not see what the $40 billion that was voted on last night by the gangsters will be used for. I can just imagine what's coming now. I hope you can just imagine what's coming now. How in the world have we lost America so quickly under this senile, corrupt administration? And why are these leftists so anxious to go to war with Russia? I think many of you can fill in the dots and figure this out. But what happened last night will not only make inflation much hotter and much worse, it will provoke Russia to work more closely with China against America and against NATO. The world is on the brink of something much, much worse than we have seen. I wish I had the list for you of what they have done last night. I can't find it anywhere. It's not even being published anywhere about the $40 billion. You can't even find it. Go try to find it in the news today. Here it is. I found it. Newsmax.com. House OK's $40 billion in Ukraine aid beefing up Biden requests. They went beyond what senile Joe asked for.
$40 billion Ukraine aid, signaling a magnified bipartisan commitment to thwart Russian President Putin's bloody three-month-old invasion. The measure sailed to passage by a lopsided 368 to 57 margin, providing $7 billion more than Biden's request from April. Military economic assistance, help region allies, replenish weapons the gangsters in the Pentagon have shipped overseas, and provide $5 billion to address global food shortages caused by the war's crippling of Ukraine's normally robust production of many crops. Backed by every voting Democrat, nearly three out of four Republicans. There was not much debate, by the way. It was driven by the far left like Rosa DeLauro, who hates America, chair of the House Appropriations Committee. Remember what Eisenhower said, beware the military-industrial complex. This is what is going on. $54 billion given to Ukraine. $54 billion. That's about $6 billion more than the U.S. spent on all its foreign and military aid in 2019. It's also around 1% of the entire federal budget. This is at a time of runaway inflation. This is at the time that Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, a walking sad sack, said recently the U.S. wants a weak in Russia. In other words, they're provoking Putin into using nuclear weapons. Now, what will happen in the Senate, it's almost 100% sure that the gangsters on both sides of the aisle will uh, definitely vote in lockstep. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said as Putin desperately, I don't even want to say what she says. I have said to you on social media, I'm a fan of the Sopranos, that what she is doing is no different than what was seen in the uh, series The Sopranos, where the mafia takes over a sporting goods store. You see the guy who owned it, I think his name was Stachito or Stachino, Stachito, it's called the Stachito Bust Out. It's a very famous story in the series, The Sopranos. And this guy grew up with the gangsters, but he isn't a gangster. He's a businessman, but he likes to gamble. So he wants to get involved with a private gambling club that the gang owns. And, they, and Tony, the leader of the gang, says, listen, I'm a friend of yours since we're kids. I'm warning you not to come into this game because if you lose, I'm going to have to collect on you. And he says, it's okay, Tony, I want to gamble. Well, the guy gambles and loses a fortune, and they take over his sporting goods store. And before you know it, the gang is in the sporting goods store, taking stuff out of the back door and selling it on the streets. And then they take his credit line and buy airline tickets and other things until eventually the store is completely bankrupted. Does that sound like what they are doing to this country right now? That's exactly it's the Stakito bust out. Will the Senate act? Will there be any changes? Well, we'll see. I don't think with leader Mitch McConnell, it will be less money. It will be more money. McConnell said to reporters, I think we're on a path to getting that done. It needs to be related to helping the Ukrainians win the war. Can you believe this? Can you believe what you're watching in your own eyes? I can't. Oksana Makarova, Ukraine's ambassador to the U.S., attended the Democratic and Republican Senate lunches and thanked the gangsters for the support they've received. Senator Chris Coons, a far-left fanatic from Delaware, said Markarova told him our country has depleted its stockpiles of Soviet-era weapons and said continued NATO support is vital. Coons said the Ukrainian's message was, thank you, do more. We have a hard fight ahead. We need more. And with your support, we can win you stupid Americans, you.
$6 billion to arm and train Ukrainian forces. That means our men have been on the ground for quite a while arming and training them. $8.7 billion to restore American stores of weapons shipped to Ukraine. And $3.9 billion for U.S. forces deployed to the area. $8.8 billion in economic support for Ukraine. That means we're paying pensions for people in Ukraine. Not a dollar to build a wall on our southern border when the gangs are running over this country with drugs and fentanyl and human trafficking. Not one cent to protect America, but unlimited money. There's more. $4 billion to help Ukraine and allies finance arms and equipment purchases. $900 million for housing, education, and other help for Ukrainian refugees in the U.S. That's a billion dollars. To enhance the measure's chances in Congress, the House bill dropped Biden's proposal to ease the pathway to legal permanent residency for qualifying Afghans who fled to the U.S. after last summer's abrupt withdrawal from Afghanistan. Can you believe this? No security screenings for applicants, but Biden wanted to throw in, bring in all the Afghans. There's more. In their biggest concession, Biden and the corrupt Democrats abandoned plans to include additional billions of dollars to build up U.S. supplies of vaccines and tests for COVID-19. They wanted to add on a little COVID support, a little pandemic money, a little more money, a little more grift for the government medical complex. Biden met in the White House Situation Room Tuesday with Pelosi and six other House Democrats who traveled to Ukraine recently. Afterward, Rep. Jason Crow de Colorado said the Ukrainians needed advanced drones and longer-range weapons like artillery, rockets, and anti-ship missiles that will help them push back the Russians. What do you think Putin is going to do? Is he going to give up? Do you think he's going to give in? Do you think the Russians are going to quit? Huh? Michael Savage, a host like no other. When you talk about the personal toll because a coward is leading the fight and brutalizing his own people, turning them into animals in the way they are treating other people. So, again, we think the size of the package is significant because it will enable the Ukrainians to more efficiently and quickly to, um, to deal with the challenge that they, that they face. Meanwhile, here in America, we're worried about gender-affirming care for kids under the psychotic Secretary of uh, Health, this creature from the swamp. I never saw anything like this. Dr. Slam Biden officials claim all agree on gender-affirming care. Gender-affirming care. That's the new narrative now in America. Assistant Secretary of Health Rachel Levine, that's a man who became a woman, who recently said there is no argument about gender-affirming care among medical professionals who specialize in children and adolescents. They all need to have their, their penises cut off if they want to. And if they're a woman, have one sewn on at government expense because that's called gender assistance care, gender affirming care. Do you know that this is insanity? Do you understand how insane this country is right now? Several medical professionals told Fox News they have seen rates of gender dysphoria skyrocket among young people in recent years but that many of the colleagues are reluctant to speak public against transgender ideology for fear of both professional and personal retaliation. This is what's going on. This is what is going on in this country. 
according to definitions laid out in a fact sheet from Levine's Department of Health and Human Services in March, gender-affirming care for our teenagers includes social affirmation at any age. That means brainwashing everyone into accepting this confusion. Puberty blockers during puberty. Mothers, are you paying attention to the sickos? And cross-sex hormone therapy starting during early adolescence. Thus far, they're holding back on irreversible surgery for children. That's thus far. That's because they haven't yet gotten the support that they need from all the Republicans. When reached for comments, Psycho Levine's office doubled down on the assistant secretary's claims, and he said, there is no debate in the medical community about the medical or scientific validity of gender-affirming care, unquote, while many doctors disagree. But there are doctors who disagree. Dr. William Malone, an Idaho-based assistant clinical professor of endocrinology, is a member of the Society for Evidence-Based Gender Medicine, which is an international group of more than 100 clinicians and researchers concerned about what they call the lack of quality evidence for the use of hormonal and surgical interventions as first-line treatment for young people with gender dysphoria. I can go on, but what's the point? You get the picture. Biden put in the psychopath, Dr. Rachel Levine, who used to be a man and is now, now thinks that it's a woman. Not, that's now running the health department. Malone said they're trying to make it seem that the evidence base is a done deal and has settled science, and that's simply not the case. No kidding. Malone pointed out how other countries are urging caution regarding gender-affirming care, especially for minors. In February, the Swedish National Board of Health and Welfare updated its health care service guidelines to recommend, quote, restraint when it comes to hormone treatment, unquote, noting increasing reports of detransition and transition-related regret among youth who transitioned in recent years. In other words, boys who were brainwashed or confused into thinking they were girls came to their senses, and after the hormone treatment, they were regretting it. But meanwhile, the degenerate psychopaths keep pushing this insanity. In 2020, the Finnish Health Authority issued similar guidelines and recommended psychotherapy as the first-line treatment for gender dysphoric minors. In October 2021, the Royal Australian and New Zealand College of Psychiatrists also released a statement citing a lack of quality evidence and emphasizing the necessity of receiving a proper mental health evaluation before undergoing irreversible hormone therapy or gender reassignment surgery. Dr. Miriam Grossman, a child and adolescent psychiatrist who has treated young people for nearly 40 years and written extensively about gender ideology, said Levine is misleading the American public by claiming there is no disagreement among physicians regarding gender-affirming care. This is very much like there's no disagreement amongst doctors about using vaccines on infants, for example. There's no disagreement amongst people about the effects of vaccines on people. It's Zieg Heil all the way. Whatever these government whack jobs say becomes the new American truth. Grossman said there is a complete lack of high-quality long-term data that these medical interventions actually help. And it is very disturbing to me as a fellow physician that Dr. Levine is arrogantly announcing that all pediatricians, all physicians and therapists agree with her position, close quote. See, that's like the schmucks who drive around with bumper stickers that say trust science. Grossman described the rising rates of gender dysphoria among young people as a psychic epidemic. I attribute it to the gender ideology 
which has made its way into our schools, into our entertainment industry, into the social media platform, she said. Children who have various emotional issues are being led to believe that being transgender is going to solve all their emotional issues, unquote. Grossman also said that among female adolescents especially, such ideas and behaviors spread rapidly within friend groups. Can you believe this? And so now anyone who disagrees with this government group of perverts and psychopaths are in hiding. They're in hiding. Doctors said there's kind of like an underground group of therapists and pediatricians and doctors who have to meet in secret groups and talk about the concerns with this because everyone kind of sees it as being transphobic. If we challenge the government narrative from Dr. Levine, said Dr. David Harrelson, Colorado-based marriage and family therapist who is part of a group called the Gender Exploratory Therapy Association, which encourages therapy instead of medicalization to help resolve gender dysphoria. So doctors are saying, no, this is wrong. This is not science, but they're called transphobic. The hysterical minority is now warping the minds of our youth. I don't know how this is ever going to come back. The doctors themselves don't know how it's ever going to come back. Biden is destroying the very fabric and fiber of America. So there you have two little stories, one about the government media complex. You're concerned about inflation? Do you think this is going to help you idiots, you? Grocery prices surged 10% most in 42 years. Prices up 8.3% in April. Senile Joe says uh, Trump did it. And we send more and more and more. Just print more and more and more money. More and more money. I'd like to get more details for you on the $40 billion and where it's really going to be spent. I really like to be able to tell you how much of that $40 billion that Galosi and the gang just passed in the House last uh, the other night, where it's going to go and how much will come back to the left-wing politicians. Are you stupid enough to believe that that money is not being washed through Ukraine? It's not going to be kicked back to the politicians who voted for it? You don't know how American politics work if you think that. You have no idea how much of that money will flow right back into their hands, and you won't even know it. It's hard to believe we are living through such a meltdown. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Ladies and gentlemen, we're proud to welcome you to the live broadcast of Michael Savage's address to the Commonwealth Club of California, the largest public affairs speaking forum in the United States. Since its founding in 1903, the Commonwealth Club has grown to over 17,000 members and has hosted every American president since and including Teddy Roosevelt. The Commonwealth Club has welcomed persons from every field and endeavor, from Clarence Darrow to the Dalai Lama. Today's broadcast originates from the historic Sheraton Palace Twin Peaks Ballroom. The address by Michael Savage is about to begin. Thank you very much. I'm honored to be here. I want to thank the Commonwealth Club. My case will be presented to you as though I'm an attorney. My thesis is simple. The title is Beware the Government Media Complex. I hope to prove to you over the next period of time that perhaps never before in American history has there been so cozy a relationship. And this, by the way, transcends right or left, has nothing to do with race, has nothing to do with politics. It has everything to do with press freedom. And I want to state that from the outset. I believe that today we have a relationship that is too cozy 
between government and media. And I'll prove it to you within the first 10 seconds. Here's a flyer announcing this address put out by my radio station. It was sent to all the media. It says, Michael Savage to address SF's Commonwealth Club. Well, I understand it's not earth-shaking news. It's not as big as Buddy will be castrated by the Clintons. Nevertheless, many of the speeches that are given before the Commonwealth Club, many of them, are picked up and rebroadcast by the local NPR radio station. Do you see any NPR people here? No. Many of the speeches given before the Commonwealth Club are transmitted on C-SPAN, which is paid for by the cable companies. Do you see any C-SPAN cameras here? Beware the government media complex. You know, the media, ladies and gentlemen, as you well know, is needed by you and by me, by the public, very badly needed to be and to remain a thorn in the side of the government. In order to keep the government relatively honest, you need a media that's constantly poking at them. However, when the media instead becomes a thorn in the side of the skeptical private citizen, the media then becomes an arm of the government. Beware the government media complex. Let me go to some local stories and show you how it is colored. When five revolutionary Mexican communists beat a lone elderly white male in Los Angeles last year, they were featured as heroes of the revolution in the local San Francisco newspapers. When a mob of activists burned the state offices a few years ago because one of their platforms were not accepted by Pete Wilson, they were called a collective voice of the oppressed by, oppressed by the Chronicle and the Examiner. When they broke into San Francisco Republican Party headquarters, terrorized workers, and destroyed computers, these radical activists were called valiant oppressed voices. When agitators for the homeless riot, when they burn trash cans, they break the law, but they're held up as freedom fighters for the poor by the left-leaning press. But if one compassionate conservative dares to speak out, he's condemned to the gulag of media silence, the gulag of media exile. This startling bias in the media is more threatening to the pillars of our republic than even the most ardent conservative might believe. It is censorship by default as well. What do I mean by censorship by default? Where the commercial interests of the media, moguls, are so intertwined with government policy as to create an overly friendly image of government officials and their policies. So it may not be as clear as a conspiracy to bias the news, but it comes out to be the same thing anyway. Now this bias is not limited to the left. It is largely a product of left-wing bias when it comes to certain social issues such as affirmative action or gay rights. But the right also biases the news when it wants to shade fiscal issues to their benefit. Example, Rupert Murdoch and the China scandal of last week. I first began this file on the government media complex about three years ago. I noticed an alarming bias occurring and I knew that without correction, this could sink the ship of truth. Now, surely other administrations have had their friends in high media places. But still, there were many voices and many views of dissent which found their way into the national media. But now we have a growing media blackout of some serious crimes and misdemeanors, all unsolved to the satisfaction of those with critical powers of reason. Which events am I referring to? 
Vince Foster's death. It is still not satisfactorily, satisfactorily resolved to the minds of many Americans. Waco, where 80 innocent men, women, and children were burned to death. Has anyone gone to jail for that event? Whitewater, still unsolved. Travelgate, Ruby Ridge. Gary Aldrich wrote a book called, well, you know the title of Gary's book, TWA Flight 800. We're told it went down because a fuel tank blew up. Many pilots say otherwise. Ron Brown's strange death. Many people in the African-American community have raised the voice on that one. Yes, we know about these events because the dam of silence has cracked. But owned media hacks and hackettes apply their journalistic bondo with the excitement of fruit flies dancing on a rotting tomato. And who has paid for their crimes and misdemeanors? Who has paid for the execution of Sammy Weaver and Mrs. Weaver? Who has paid for leaking 900 FBI files? And who is being blackmailed? Mm. Now, although the media's generally favorable coverage of Mr. Clinton's behavior and politics is the main concern of most media watchers, it is not the only concern. Take any major policy issue, and you're going to see the government's official line reflected by the media elite. Let's look at some issues. Affirmative action, immigration, legal and illegal, the drug epidemic. How often do you hear about it? You hear a constant refrain, for example, about the dangers of tobacco. How often do you hear about the crack epidemic, the growing use of marijuana, the heroin epidemic? You hear about it. But all you really hear about is tobacco, tobacco, tobacco. Welfare, uh, the so-called homelessness issue, taxes. Each and every issue as reflected in the old line news media, that's TV network news and established newspapers and news magazines, is a parallel reflection of official Clinton policy. Listen to this carefully, if you will, and tell me if you agree. Hoover Institution historian Robert Conquest said, that in the former Soviet Union, the press was totally under the control of the state. All editors were members of the Communist Party. Here in the United States of America, a frighteningly imbalanced Washington press corps exists. 89% of, the, of these apparatchiks of the DNC voted for Bill Clinton in 1992. The media is needed by the public to be and to remain a thorn in the side of the government in order to keep the government relatively honest. But when the media instead becomes a thorn in the side of the skeptical private citizen, the media then becomes an arm of the government. Is this not worrisome? Beware the government media complex. In the next few minutes, I want to give you some examples of what I mean. In the 1950s, President Dwight D. Eisenhower warned Americans to beware the military-industrial complex. And this became a rallying cry for anti-military liberals for over three decades. Today, the warning should be, be very aware of the deeply incestuous relationship between media tycoons, their talking heads, and their federal government counterparts. Which is the tail? Which is the dog? Follow the money. Never before have so few controlled so many image and word outlets. Is it a monopoly? You bet. On the Clinton board game called You Pays Your Money, You Take Over Another Network. It grows each day, my file, on this connection. We must ask the question, will the market shape up the media? Ladies and gentlemen, despite competition, the newsrooms are not 
taking the hints. We have talk radio has evolved, building a huge audience. We have the Internet has evolved, attracting a huge audience. The circulation of the newspapers are plummeting across the country, yet the newsrooms don't seem to be understanding what is going on. Why is that? Well, it could include sloppiness. It could, because of, uh, could be because of sensationalism. It could be because, though, of political bias. I think it's because of political bias. I think that the old media's bias and the lawyers who control uh, the newsrooms in, in cahoots with the owners are responsible for this lack of response to the public's outcry. Recently, there was an obituary for a journalist in the New York Times. I believe it was this Sunday. I love reading obituaries. I guess I've reached that age where I write my own obituary every day. And I wonder who published my obituary when the time comes. I guess many people in the audience do that after a certain age. And you wonder if you're going to be covered by anybody when you pass on and what people will say about you. Well, this is an interesting obituary. Norman E. Isaacs, age 89, died. His name, I never heard of him. It said, journalist and expert on newspaper issues. I read further. And here was his claim to fame. It said that in 1969 and 70, he was president of the American Society of Newspaper Editors. And in that role, he charged in a speech that the Nixon administration was seeking to intimidate and muzzle the American press and television. Well... As you well know, because he did that in 69 and 70, he warned America about Nixon's draconian attempts to control the press. He went right up to the stellar heights of the media. And there was a beautiful obituary written for Mr. Isaacs in the New York Times. Now, I say the same thing about the Clinton administration. I say that the Clinton administration is seeking to intimidate and muzzle the American press, American radio, and the American Internet. I can quote one a Clinton official after the other, starting with Hillary Clinton. And yet I am vilified or ignored. Beware the government media complex. There are many stories we must pay attention to. My file is quite thick, and I'd like to refer to some of the propagandist instincts of the press. For example, during the chief moment of Clinton's worst trials, I have collected photos of Bill Clinton. Take a look at this picture of Bill Clinton right next to the picture of Newt Gingrich. He is Bill Clinton looking almost exactly like Abraham Lincoln. His jaw is out. The angle is perfect. Yet the same day in the New York Times, right next to him, is a picture of Newt Gingrich with his head down, looking shadowy and shady, with a wet upper lip, needing a shave. Beware the government media complex. Now, look, I have a bias. I go on the radio every day and I say, I have a somewhat conservative bias, and I'm open about that. Why doesn't the New York Times just say, we have a bias that's in favor of Bill Clinton, so it, it comes with a warning label. Beware the government media complex. Stories every day. Here's another story out of the New York Times. The strange case of faked hate crimes. Do you remember, for about a year, we were uh, told that black churches were burning in the South? That's all the news ran. Black churches were burning in the South. Now, we're all against the burning of churches whether they're black or white, the burning of mosques or synagogues. There's nothing fundamentally more un-American than burning a house of worship. But the press kept running the story, black churches are burning in the South. Well, about a year and a half after this story appeared and kept reappearing by the mainstream old-line press, the FBI did an intense study of the church burnings. And what they found was many of the burnings were set by their own ministers in order to collect insurance. They also discovered that many of the churches that were burnt 
were not predominantly black, uh, 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 black attendees. They were also churches attended by white parishioners. Did you read a follow-up story in the mainstream press which said, sorry, folks, they were not black churches which were burning. There were churches in general, and there was some arson involved? No, because they'd never admit their mistake. Here's another story. Right after TWA Flight 800, uh, the uh, investigation of it, the explosion of Flight 800, there was a huge study done by the, uh, one of the agencies of the government. What witnesses believed to be missiles streaking toward the plane, we were told by the New York Times, were actually the flames and fire trails left by the plane's breakup. That's very interesting. The FBI spent $14 million proving its point. The New York Times said the following. The FBI has been justly criticized in recent years for erratic and often furtive behavior. Now listen to those words. In recent years, the FBI has been criticized for erratic and furtive behavior. Do you call killing 80 innocent people at Waco, Texas, erratic and furtive behavior? I don't, and I won't justify that behavior. And I think that the people who were responsible for it, even if it was an accident, should have gone to jail. I don't care that they're government officials. If I make a mistake at work, I can get fired. If I killed somebody, I would go to jail and possibly get the death sentence. And the same standard should apply to a federal government official who may accidentally kill 80 innocent men, women, and children. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. I'll give you another one, which everybody listening to this program and everybody in this audience will recognize immediately. You may not remember the date, but you remember the picture. It's the picture of Mr. and Mrs. Clinton in bathing attire, dancing on a beach in the uh, St. Thomas. It's a slimmed-down bill and a not-yet-slimmed-down Hillary, but they're dancing in delight on a beach in St. Thomas. Nothing wrong with that. They are married, after all. They are entitled to a vacation, after all. Well, why am I the curmudgeon pointing this out today? I'll tell you why. Because we didn't know it was coming. This was put in the newspapers January 7th, 1998. What happened soon after this? What story hit the press? Monica Lewinsky. Suddenly, the oral office exploded. I mean, the Oval Office exploded. And as we understand, this picture, looking in retrospect... A wise philosopher once said, life must be lived forwards, but it can only be understood backwards. And one of the beauties of my job is I collect newspapers and I read them years later, months later, weeks later. And I say, well, what was the purpose of that story? Ladies and gentlemen, what was the purpose of this picture of Mr. and Mrs. Clinton in love on the beach in St. Thomas? You know the answer. Here's another case in point of the government media complex, how cozy they are. I love this one. Again, the New York Times, Thursday, December 11th, 1997. It shows the South Bronx in 1997. You can't see this here or on the radio. It shows Bill Clinton in living color uh, walking through a neighborhood in the South Bronx with beautiful new suburban homes. Beneath that picture, in black and white, shows Ronald Reagan, 1980 in the South Bronx, with burned-out buildings in the background. Now, I happen to have grown up in the South Bronx, so... The buildings in the background were the tenements in which I grew up. 
But that's not why I bring this to your attention. The answer here is quite simple. It was Ronald Reagan's initiative that started the process to save the South Bronx. So why are they making Ronald Reagan the nemesis of the tenements in the South Bronx? It's because he went there and said, this is awful. We've got to do something about it. But the government media complex shows the picture of Bill Clinton strolling through the neighborhood with the nice new houses. Can't we give some credit where credit is due? Must we always bash the Republicans? Can't they do anything right? I wonder. And by the way, I am not a registered Republican. (laughs) Beware the government media complex. The same week that Reno covers for him, the New York Times devotes its entire cover story to him. And what does Mr. Clinton do? He attacks tobacco while avoiding crack. Why is it we're hearing Tobacco, 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 tobacco. Now, I don't smoke. I wouldn't recommend that anybody smoke. But is there a person sitting in this room who would think that a juvenile smoking cigarettes is as bad a problem as the crack epidemic in the inner cities or the heroin epidemic in American middle class society? I don't think so. What is this, what is this obsession with tobacco? I think it's part of the government media complex over and over and over. A few more examples, and then we'll take your questions here at the Commonwealth Club. A few days after Saddam Hussein won the brinksmanship with Bill Clinton, in the eyes of many people, both in the military and outside the military, Bill Clinton lost in that showdown. The local newspaper twist reality to prop up their favorite boy, and here's what they said. This is after he caved into Saddam. It says Clinton lays down the law. I would have changed the headline to Clinton lays down. You say there's no bias in the media. Right after Saddam Hussein won in that showdown, headline, Clinton says Iraq is promising unconditional access to sites. There was a gentleman from England who came back from a visit with Chancellor Hitler in the 1930s. And he said, I have a piece of paper signed by Chancellor Hitler. And in it, he promises no more aggression. I believe peace is at hand. Many of us are very skeptical of Saddam Hussein's promise. I don't think it was a victory for America. And I would think that that viewpoint is deserving of attention. Now let's go to the uh, issue of Bias on the right. There was a big story last week about Rupert Murdoch. And this is an example of the government media complex as it operates on the right as well. Rupert Murdoch is a very intelligent man. He's a genius. He owns almost just about everything. He owns the television stations, the Fox News Network. Listen to what he did. HarperCollins is a publishing company that Rupert Murdoch owns. They had a book schedule to be published in Britain of a memoir by Chris Patton. He was the last British governor of Hong Kong. Mr. Patton said that things are not that well in Hong Kong. Mr. Patton criticized the government of China in the memoir. Now, Mr. Murdoch needs the government of China very badly if he is to expand his already burgeoning TV and movie deals in the vast market it controls. What did Mr. Murdoch do? He canceled the publication of the book. He canceled the book 
because he wanted to curry favor with China. That was a disaster for freedom of the press. What happened to Stuart Prophet, a top editor at HarperCollins? This man stood up and said, you can't do that. What happened to this man who stuck his, stuck his head out? He was fired. He was suspended from his job immediately, and he fired a breach of contract lawsuit against Mr. Murdoch. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it embarrassed the owner of HarperCollins terribly. Remember this, though. Although to us HarperCollins is a very large corporation and a very important one, HarperCollins Publishing is only a tiny part of News Corporation, and Mr. Murdoch only occasionally involves himself in the day-to-day running of it. However, we, are no, we know today that Mr. Murdoch was the one who told the editor at the company to kill the book because it embarrassed him. Beware the government media complex. Before I take your questions, I want to address the issue of sleaze journalism. We keep hearing that the regular press and the tabloid press is merging, that the stories are getting murkier and muddier, and that you can't tell the difference between gossip and truth. Well, one writer says maybe the press is just returning to its reckless roots. You may not know it as I didn't, but that until the 1920s, each major city in the United States of America often had more than a dozen fiercely competitive morning and evening newspapers. A dozen. A paper like the Philadelphia Evening City Item appeared in as many as 12 editions each day. That was one newspaper in one city, 12 editions a day. I remember as a little boy growing up in New York, my father would buy five newspapers, which he brought home every night. And they ranged in the spectrum from the ultra-liberal New York Post to the ultra-conservative, I think it was a Hearst paper, the Journal American. I didn't know left from right at that time, and I didn't really know there was a difference of opinion. But he would read from left to right. He had that choice. And he also knew that there was a bias to the left in the Post and a bias to the right in 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 the American. But he wanted to read from left to right and draw his own conclusions. What choices do we have today in San Francisco? You've got the Chronicle and you've got the Examiner. I don't think they cover the spectrum of political opinion. Something tells me they don't. Now, people say that Matt Drudge of the Drudge Report on the Internet is a terrible man. He is destroying civilization. He is destroying journalism. But there are those who will argue that Mr. Drudge actually belongs to a venerable tradition. Why? Joseph Pulitzer was a penniless immigrant. Horace Greeley dropped out of school at age 15 to work in a print shop. And like web pages today, newspapers were cheap to set up in the 19th century. And objectivity was almost unheard of. Monthly uh, scandal sheets had names such as this. Listen to this. You say the talk radio hosts are biased. Well, we're in a good tradition. Talk radio and scandal sheets of the time sound very similar in some ways. They had names like this back in the 19th century. Truth's Advocate was the name of one of them. Another scandal sheet of the late 1890s was called the Monthly Anti-Jackson Expositor. Maybe some people in talk radio ought to call themselves the Daily Anti-Clinton Expositor. I don't know. These papers would spring up in times of political crisis and disappear immediately thereafter as evanescent as electrons once they had outlived their usefulness. But today we have the 24-hour news cycle, which Hillary Rodham Clinton has blamed for the brush fire spread of gossip. It also has a history that long antedates the Internet 
and Cable News Network. I'm Michael Savage on the Savage Nation. We'll take your questions now. All right, thanks to Michael Savage for his talk here today. It's now time for our question and answer period, and so I will begin with our first question submitted by our audience. You seem to give no notice to many journalists' articles critical of government operations. Aren't there any? And what about the columnists of all polit political uh, persuasions, George Will, Molly Ivins, E.J. Dion, William Sapphire, etc., etc., who are often critical, analytical, and provocative? Yes, but they are not the headline writers. <laughs> they are not the headline writers. Certainly their opinion is inside the newspaper. But how often have you heard William Sapphire on CNN? How often have you read Molly Ivins on the CBS or NBC or ABC Evening News? You've got three or four talking heads who control and shape what most Americans understand to be going on in their government. And these commentators are wonderful, and so are some great liberal commentators, but, but very few people actually read them. Next question. As we see public opinion is shaped by media presentations of issues, at what point did the media go from presenting facts to presenting biased news based upon right or left origin of the news item? Can you comment? At what point? There's a fabulous article that I can refer to that I recommend to everyone in the audience. It came out in the American Enterprise uh, magazine I never heard of, but there's a March-April 1998 issue exactly about that. And he, he blames this on one thing and one thing only. It's the media's reconcentration in New York, which reflects its increasing divorce from the rest of the nation. His solution is to disperse the press throughout America again and get some regional and local views instead of having only an Upper East Side or Upper West Side view of the world events. Quick example. There are only three actual voting precincts in the whole country that are statistically as left-wing as America's newsrooms, notes Michael Barone, co-author of the Almanac of American Politics. Yet the media's leftward bent often obscures an even more compelling fact, that its physical concentration in a single New York borough that is one of the least representative places in modern America, all four national news networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox, are headquartered within walking distance of each other. The nation's two most dominant papers, the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, are published within a subway ride of opinion-shaping magazines like Time, Newsweek, Businessweek, and Fortune. In the old days, ladies and gentlemen, newsrooms were filled with up-from-the-ranks, cigarette-smoking, whiskey-drinking, hard-boiled veterans. There were talented college dropouts. There were hard-drinking misfits who got into journalism. Local newspapers around the country were particularly representative in their staffing. But now we have network and national newspapers which resemble a modern-day cast, largely dominated by a relative handful of predictable ad-driven reporting. Last night on Light Nightline, an ABC spokesperson stated that this week's interview with Gary Aldrich was, an, was adversarial because of threats from Mike McCurry. 
How often do such events occur? Can you comment? Well, Gary Aldrich wrote the book, uh, Unlimited Access. He's an ex-Secret Service agent, I believe. I had him on my program just when the book came out. Gary is a soft-spoken Eagle Scout kind of guy, the kind of guy that used to be in central casting as the American hero. I trust him. What can I tell you? I think he's very straight. I don't mean that in a gender way. I mean just in an honesty way. It's very important to say because I really... Anyway, he's a very honest kind of guy. He worked in the White House for 27 years as an FBI or Secret Service guy. He worked under many presidents. He's a heroic kind of guy. When the Clintons came to power, he noticed that there were people using marijuana. There were people who were uh, uh, sexually promiscuous appearing in the White House. He was worried about very strange people entering the White House, and he started to talk about it. They, they retired him. They fired him. And he wrote a book on limited access. Well, the news media virtually blacked the book out, and when they covered it, they smeared it. They said he's a right-wing conspirator. I don't know uh, uh, what, what the question actually refers to, uh, Dennis, but that's the best answer I can give you. Apparently, at some point, you made some comments about Paul Pot, and this questioner is saying that your comments were completely in line with my vision of where liberal, the liberal left, left unchecked will lead us. Uncle will give us a big hug, and a child will lead us by the hand to the killing fields. Can you comment on that? I'm chilled by the question, but I fear it virtually every day. Every day... I wake up to another story that, to me, resonates of Pol Pot. The story in the, in the Examiner and Chronicle for the last three days that's resonating on talk radio is the story that we have to read six books out of ten from, from authors of color and that uh, books written by white males will be thrown out. This is right out of Pol Pot. It is right out of Adolf Hitler, who said that the theory of relativity should be discarded because it's Jewish science, and you shouldn't pay attention to it. This, to me, is quite worrisome, Dennis. Uh, you also made some comments about the Citadel, and uh, the, the questioner asked, why wasn't the Citadel a good thing? Well, I don't know why it was a great thing. Because it worked, it had to be attacked by the media elites and by the people with an agenda. You must break down West Point. You must break down Annapolis. You must destroy all of the great naval aviators who could still fly an airplane and land it on a carrier in the middle of a storm in the middle of the night because, after all, they're the dreaded male, aren't they? So Pat Schroeder probably did more damage to the naval aviation community than any single person, far more damage than the old communists ever could have done. Well, thank you, Michael. We've reached the conclusion of our program for today. Thank you also to our audience here at the Sheraton Palace who have joined, and now this meeting of the Commonwealth Club of California is adjourned. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com 
for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.